Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants. Featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazzoni. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. I really do think, like, looking around the landscape, like, people were shocked, obviously, but there's this sense of, of like, well, this doesn't really change anything, Where what the Giants need to do, where they're at. Um, but Shohei Otani's on the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's hard not to think about that and go, well, f- <laughs> it, Yeah, I mean, that's not what you want. Uh, but you, hey, hey, maybe he'll fail his physical. That's, <laughs> that's what we right. got. That's we can only got. hope. <laughs> uh, this is not going to be a big old complaint cast. The Giants did not sign Shohei Otani. We're not going to sit here and grouse about it. We're going to focus on the pivots or it might have been plan A all along, and then we're going to do a little complaining. So you have some time <laughs> if you would like Doug and I to provide some insight on where the Giants can go. Uh, I admit, listen, I I don't know when I fell for it. I think I was listening to segments of our last episode. Remember I said I didn't write a, there's, you know, of course the Giants aren't getting a, a, a Shohei Otani. I didn't write one of those articles because I said it didn't seem as obvious this time around, but all the information we got from this deal is like Shohei Otani's wanted to sign with the Dodgers since he was like eight years old. <laughs> and so it's hard to see that the Giants ever had a shot. I'm I'm wrong. You know, I'd say 50 50. I'm 50, you know, which is a coin toss. So I don't know. The one time last offseason and then the Otani thing, I'm optimistic and, and I'm completely wrong. And suddenly people just want to like focus on the fact that I'm wrong about stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. And <laughs> is it, are you mad that I'm negative or that I'm wrong? Because I was positive and I was wrong. So what, what is it anyway? <laughs> I also said last month that Yama, it was Yamamoto or bust. At least that's how I felt. Um, it, do you think that's where we're at now? Yeah, I do. Um, the giants need, the giants need an infusion of talent um, from outside the organization. Like there's, they, they do have to have guys in the organization get better. Like Marco Luciano has to be better, has to be a, like a starter capable guy next year. Kyle Harrison needs to take the next step next year. But in addition to that, they have to have a lot of talent come in. And that talent, the best talent available right now is Yamamoto. So in that sense, yeah, um, they kind of have to have him. And... Uh, baseball Jeff uh, on Twitter, he he points out that, you know, they were willing to spend $350 million on Carlos Correa. And his thought was that I that he found Yamamoto more valuable than uh, Correa. I think I agree with that. I, what I'm saying is there are offseason projections about, you know, seven year deals, this or that. Shoyo Otani signed for a 10 year, $700 million deal with some deferrals, obviously. 
uh, Yamamoto is 25 years old. I think we're looking at now this guy's going to get at least probably he's going to probably get a 10 year deal, I would imagine. And probably now uh, approaching $300 million, in which case the Giants are probably all in. They should be. Yeah. yeah, I think they have to be. They and they know that. Like it look, it is possible that Yamamoto's agent is looking at the landscape and he says, look, here's how we get the most money is if the Giants give that $300 million deal. And then we go to Steve Cohen and go, give us $400 million or he's signing with San Francisco tomorrow. And that might happen, right? But I think a lot of this depends on where Yamamoto wants to go. Just like Otani wanted to go to the Dodgers. I don't know that we have the information on where he wants to go. Um, if the Giants are in the mix, then they have to come in with a huge offer. Um, they they need to have Yamamoto. They need a huge talent coming in to the organization. And without that, um, we're going to be stuck in this rut. We've been in for two years. You, you've said like three things in there that I'm like, nope, hold it for the next segment. Hold <laughs> Sorry. It. No, Sorry. no, no. I mean, you're absolutely right. We don't know what the players want. We can certainly use past history to get a sense of that. Uh, I will mention, you know, I did also say in that last, last month that like I mentioned Kodai Senga, maybe perhaps a bit overlooked in this whole laundry list of players who have spurned the Giants and the Giants having done a full court press. Remember all the reporting about, you know, they had his picture in the Giants uniform on the video board and like they were really all in on Senga and he wound up with the Mets because that's, you know, Steve Cohen wanted him. That's where he wanted to be. And he wound up being what a five war pitcher for them last year is their best pitcher by far. And, you know, that would have really helped the Giants, you know, <laughs> uh, and, you know, with Yamamoto 25, that's the thing I really hang on. You look at the history of Japanese pitchers making the leap over Daisuke Matsuzaka, you know, I think about some some of them and it's like they do seem to have a short shelf life. Some of that could change, but him being 25 certainly would mitigate, you know, whatever burnout on the arm could happen. He's so dynamic, his stuff. He's a guy that you just um, you just have to acknowledge that there's going to be some irrational figure. If the Giants are going to pull us off, they have to spend irrationally beyond what the projections say, beyond what makes sense. Not on Matt Chapman, though. No, no, not on Matt Chapman, for God's sake. But there are a couple of there are a few guys. I don't know. I'm putting Bellinger kind of in that bubble. I I understand, you know, people smarter than I do do not. I but then I don't put Blake Snell in that group. And those same smart people do put Blake Snell in that group. Um, And I certainly don't put Matt Chapman in that group. And I don't put Jung-Hoo Lee in that group. But I think those are basically that's the cream of the crop, right? that you you look at for this free agent market. There's no one I'm missing, right? With Otani gone. So um, any of those guys you're, you're basically at for the giants, especially, you know, the Mets and the Dodgers are like, I just want this player and I'll spend whatever it takes. Um, Although the Dodgers seem to have gotten played a little tiny bit, little tiny bit to get to 700 million. Uh, Yeah, that's fun. We were all part of it too. We were all witnesses. (laughs) So if you were freaking out about Shohei Otani going to the Blue Jays on Friday, congratulations. You helped the Dodgers spend more of their money. And, you know, it was nice. I think it was actually really nice of CAA to say, let's not use the Giants this year. The Giants got used last year. That was like, they spent a whole year setting that up. Uh, Aaron judges people. Let's just pick some other target. <laughs> <laughs> they they chose the Blue Jays, so they chose a whole country. So in that sense, that's worse, I think. 
yesterday was definitely or sorry, Friday was definitely worse than than what happened with the Giants with Arson Judge and the seven minutes and all that. I think my way out at a line there. <laughs> no, I, I think it it hurt a little bit more because the judge rumor um, a year ago was debunked pretty quickly, I think. Um, and and kind of more definitively. Um, Cause when at first it was, it was like a solid hour this year of, Oh, he's going to the blue Jays. Yeah. Blue, J- blue Jays are happening. Okay. And then the report started to come out like, well, we're not sure yet, but it wasn't like, no, he's not going there. It wasn't, no, there's no deal with, I haven't heard anything. And then eventually it was, no, there's no deal. And then eventually it was, he's not on that plane. And then it was, he's actually never been on a plane in his life. And then it was, he's, <laughs> he never, even left know the Los- travel is. Yeah. He, he's never left the Los Angeles area since coming to America. And he doesn't want to, he's, he's comfortable there. Um, and then we're like, well, maybe the Giants still have a shot, though. Uh, yeah, that's what like, I were. That's where I was at. I'm like, does that mean the Giants are still involved? <laughs> um, but the, the judge so thing was, was over pretty fast. It was very stupid. The judge thing, I think, was over pretty fast. And it was just, oh, high, low, like that. So kind of, yeah. you know, kind of a lesson for Aaron, Aaron Judge's agents that they really could have milked it more. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know what? All that said, who had the most embarrassing offseason? I think the Giants still are winning this because we had Judge and Correa in the same offseason. So everything that happened with Toronto, though, comes very close. They got it like 85% of the way there. Um, just yeah, one just, with one transaction. If they strike out on one more guy, yeah. like, <laughs> then it's then over the top. That's, they win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're talking about pivots. So, uh, you know, Matt Chapman, good player to have if he's the crown crown jewel of the offseason, a la Michael Conforto and Mitch Hanniger last offseason. Fuck the Giants. Go to hell. <laughs> Eat shit. Uh, can't wait to watch you lose 90 games. No, there's no form of analysis that's going to be like, oh, they got better defensively and he's a bit of a three true outcomes guy. We can do all that again. And you know what? This is the magic of baseball. It might just all work out next year. But it's like... This is not the point. <laughs> the, the pivot is not we need to. It's not like how did the Giants improve their roster? Because they'll do that no matter what with every waiver claim and every whatever, you know, depth move they make. They're constantly improving the team. We're talking about how do they make the Giants better? And that's going to require them doing stuff that's outside of their comfort zone and outside of our recent experience with them in their front office. Can they roll up as a group of guys trying to impress another guy and get him to sign his life away over to them for a lot of money for a lot of years? And no, they haven't been able to. They can bring Buster Posey in to the boardroom. He can flash the rings where, God, his suits are so nice. Buster Posey <laughs> looks good in a tailored suit. You know, he didn't go in there and it's just like, no, it's just, it does nothing except I drive mean, up it, what they signed for even- somewhere else. The thing that makes it so hard is it's not even can they get a guy to sign for a lot of money. It's can they get three guys to sign for a lot of money? Like, yeah, it, it's a real it's a real Jim Morris situation where it's like, I'm hoping we sign one guy and we need three like playoffs. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah like, I mean, they, they need multiple, multiple players who are like top tier. They need Jung-Hoo Lee, but also they need him to be better than he, he probably should be. Like they need Yamamoto and they need him to be healthy. 
they need, and they then they could also use Blake Snell or if they want to take the risk on Cody Bellinger, I think it's arguable. I mean, it makes me nervous, but it certainly could work out. Um, but like they, that's how much they need to get into the tier that they've spent a decade telling us they're in. Like they, they want to tell us they're this crown jewel franchise. They have to go out and prove it and prove that they're not the only ones who think that. Yamamoto, let's start there. And this is maybe where we disagree because for me, if they just got Yamamoto, because I don't consider Matt Chapman an A-level free agent. If you're like Yamamoto, Chapman, and then Farhan Zaidi doing his things. And by the way, I think whatever we're about to say, there's going to have to be a trade or two as well to also get excitement. But I think that Yamamoto could be big enough and especially a big enough financial commitment if they really get him. That it's going to be they that now now I'm like, OK, if it had been all of last season's moves plus Correa or Judge, now we're talking. You know, Conforto doesn't work out and Hanniger doesn't work out, but Aaron Judge would have worked out. Who knows if Carlos Correa playing on the Giants, if it might have been a little bit of a different season for him. I don't know. It would have been a different season for the Giants. They would have had a good shortstop all year long. But anyway, my point is Yamamoto, I think, is enough of a marquee move and a big enough financial commitment that now your other moves don't get as much scrutiny. But I think we disagree on that. Um, I mean, it's. It's not so much that. I mean, I think that that makes sense. Um, like Yamamoto plus Chapman would be fine, I think, because then Chapman's not the centerpiece. Ch- mm-hmm. Chapman's like a complimentary player, which is what he should be. I don't know. I don't particularly want them to sign Chapman even then, but then it wouldn't be like the disaster of, yep, we got Matt, Matt Chapman. <laughs> Everything's great. Mission um, accomplished. Mission accomplished, <laughs> baby. Um I, I think that they just need multiple guys and then they need to be right about them. Um, which, you know, the I think Wendy Thurm had the note, the last time the Giants signed a position player coming off an all-star appearance was, did you see it, Brian? Yes, I did. Aaron <laughs> Rowland, baby. Um, and hey, you, you know, they signed him for the, the contract, ran from 2008 to 2012. Uh, they won two World Series in that time, so it worked perfectly. No complaints. I I just think that you need to start with the most talented guy in the class and then also get more um, or else the team's going nowhere. I mean, just getting Yamamoto would be, would be great, but like it would still kind of relegate you to that second tier of teams. Um, You know, the, the Rangers got a rod. They had him for three years. They were still in the second tier of teams. Um, It's, it can't just be one guy. That's kind of the situation the Giants are. So I outlined what a plan C would look like on McCovey Chronicles. And it, that's basically because, you know, well, what if they don't get Otani? What if they don't get Yamamoto? We've seen that the top of the market free agents tend to spurn them. You know, what if they don't get Bellinger? What if they don't even, you know, what could they do as like what, you know, if Farhan Zaidi's statements are true, or should I say if they're as if they're what I imagine them to be, which that could be the disconnect, you know, it's like we have multiple options, multiple plans. Is this like when they plan a lineup or when they plan games, right? Here's scenario a, here's scenario B, here's scenario C is, are they as detailed as one would hope? Farhan Zaidi's model for the team is, you know, the way he runs things. Again, I always go back to that. It's so telling. I just love it. 75 wins. He knows how to put together a 75 win team at any budget level based on sound sabermetric principles. 
And really to compete for the third wild card, because again, you can't predict how things are going to work out. It goes back to the old Brian Sabian saying of like aim for 85 wins and hope you get lucky. So if you go and given all that, and that's because that, that old saying is still true. Um, you know, Farns is looking at building, adding 10 wins to the giants because they basically lost between Jock Peterson and Sean Mania. They, they won 79 last year. They're basically at 75. I don't remember what their Pythagorean win loss was, but let's just say they're down to 75 wins with the current roster. How do they add 10 to that? Um, I think, you know, I like Jordan Montgomery as a three win guy. And we're just talking about next year, obviously Matt Chapman. And then I crazily had this trade for, um, a guy that they're not going to get now because he's not apparently not available, but a Randy Rosarena uh, because, you know, he's become he because he's hitting arbitration for the first time. Everyone's like, <laughs> well, the Rays is he's dead to the Rays. They're going to trade him. <laughs> um, but, you know, you add all those three guys, let's say, and that's basically you're, you've got a floor of maybe seven wins. And then you're probably closer to 10 wins with those with those three guys. And that is not a sexy offseason. But I did write that article not thinking that Shohei Otani was going to the Dodgers, which was my mistake. It was my bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I don't know. I'm saying Chapman now, but not as your centerpiece. I'm saying there are moves the Giants could make, obviously. But what Doug and I, what we're both saying is like the Giants need to do more than just make moves to improve the team. They need to show that they're relevant. They need to show that their money is as good as other teams' money. They need to show that players want to play there. Because I have a very big fear that there's this cumulative effect of all these big high profile rejections for the, you know, for the future of like, well, no one wants to play there. So why would I want to play there? And now you're like trying to change a media narrative. You know, in a couple of years, Buster Posey or Foreign Zaidi is going to have to come out there and say, well, we're trying to change the narrative about people not wanting to play in San Francisco. We want to make it. We want to turn it into a destination for players, right? That's that's bad. That means they've lost the thread, and I really feel like it's trending in that direction. Um, the Yamamoto-Bellinger combination is an interesting one. That's a lot of money, and there's a lot of variability in that one. That seems like the riskiest combination to me. Yeah, that, that's definitely the, the lowest floor, highest ceiling one. Um, but, like, hey, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Like... You know, you, you couldn't fault the Giants for not trying or not being able to, to get uh, very talented players for once. They could get both of them. Um, I saw people speculating about a trade with the Brewers to get like it was basically to get both Yelich and Corbin Burns with the thought that Yelich's salary going forward is going to be kind of exorbitant. The Brewers want to get out from under it. So maybe you wouldn't have to give up as much in prospect capital as, as you might think for that. Um, that'd be interesting. But, you know, at some point, the Giants just have to fucking do it. Like, they have to do something. You know, it's it's the front office equivalent of when it's time to hit, you got to hit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, you, we can't just talk about all the things that they almost did, all the things they wanted to do, all the things they tried to do. Like, some of these guys are going to have to either want to come here or they're going to have to, you know, get involved in those trades and make guys come here. And if they don't, and if they can't, then the, the franchise is dead in the water for another for another year, maybe another couple years, probably until Farhan's gone. This is a very big offseason, unfortunately, for the Giants, and there just aren't that many targets. So they got to hit more than one. Yeah, the trade angle is the one that 
would seem to offer the last real uh, path of hope, I guess. But, uh, you know, when once Juan Soto has been traded, um, which I the Giants, if they were ever in it at all, it had to have been they what I'm saying is they probably had a better chance of shi- signing Shohei Otani than they did of trading for Juan Soto only because I can't imagine the Padres would be that okay with trading him within the division. Like, I just can't imagine it. Um, even if they had a conversation, I still like, I, I don't see why they would, I, I would say that they would try to use the giants deal as a basis to get stuff from other teams, uh, if anything. But anyway, my point is, is once basically the best hitter uh, right now in the league is traded, it's kind of hard to find the next sexy move, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a possibility of them. And, you know, this was something that Brian Sabian was able to do. Um, Aaron Zaidi has been able to make some trades. I was thinking, I was thinking about when he said in his press conference, remember when he mentioned the Chris Davis trade with the A's, I'm sorry, yeah. between the A's and Brewers as like, that's something he wants to be able to do with, you know, build up a farm system so that they can make a move like that. And I was thinking he hasn't really made his Chris Davis move. And then I thought about it some more. I'm like, well, I bet he probably thinks Yastrzemski and Wade fall into those categories because of the outcomes. But Chris Davis is basically like a 30 home run hitter. And it's like, where's the Giants 30 home run hitter? You know what I mean? Like what? And it's not quite the same. The A's traded a, a good prospect to get a good hitter for a guy who was uh, in its final year of pre-arbitration. That was the Chris Davis thing. And the Brewers were, were rebuilding. So I was trying to think of like guys where that's the case and, you know, that's a tough deal to make anyway. And you think about it like with how GMs are in, around the league, they're very stingy, stingier even now. David Stearns was 30 years old when he became the GM of the Brewers and was rebuilding the team. So this was his like first offseason. And, you know, they got the Jacob Nottingham, who was like the number five prospect in the A system. Um, and Davis, you know, wound up hitting, you know, averaging basically 40 home runs for the A's or a little more than that for the next three seasons. Um, there's not really like a clean comp, but that was something, you know what I mean? Like that was like a, a tangible improvement that helped the team. And, you know, Yastrzemski and Wade, those were like kind of early enough now in his tenure that they were like, well, those are good supplemental pieces. Where's like a centerpiece guy. And so, yeah, if they miss out on signing a main pitcher, and I think we're in agreement, I think a lot of Giants fans are in agreement. Look, the lineup is going to be shit forever. Yeah. Well, that's never getting fixed. Make it a super elite pitching staff. That's fine. If there's an elite pitcher out there that they could trade for, or there's some sort of bat that they could get, that would be a big upgrade over what they have. That's got to be the next thing. I think they've got to do that. Even if they get, let's say Yamamoto and um, Lee, because uh, I, I feel like Bellinger and Yamamoto is like, that's too much of a lift for them. Um, <laughs> A big trade, I think, is going to have to come in basically regardless if they actually do the two big moves, at least, that we think they need. Yes. I mean, that's – yeah. So, I mean, it has to be a lot this offseason because the the rut – like, imagine a car that's like – that won't start because the wheels are in, like, this muddy rut. The rut the Giants are in right now is real deep. So they need that – they need a big push to get out of there. It's called a good metaphor, people. Look it up. <laughs> well, they, the Giants last offseason, they have a car with an engine that needs to have the oil replaced 
every thousand miles because it's got a hundred thousand miles and that's keeping the car running. And as long as they stick to that, that they pay a little bit more to maintain their car every year, it's paid off, but like they're, they have to do that consistently this off season. They need to put a new engine in. Now they need yeah. to get a new car is what some people say. Well, in that case, I just get a new car. It's actually, you know, probably more expensive to get a new car. You're not doing a tear down, but you need to put, you need to make a significant change to prolong the life of this vehicle, which is what you're ultimately aiming to do. Um, yeah, I, okay. So let's, re- let's just finalize this. What are the pivots? We've, we agree. It's Yamamoto, Yamamoto or bust basically, but let's just say, cause I know that a lot of people like to move the goalposts and no one wants to give up on a team in December. And so much happens with baseball. That we, especially we've seen with the Dodgers, you can have the best team ever and you get knocked out in the first round. Like that happens. I get that. And so it's like, you might as well keep plucking away. The giants will keep plucking away. What would be the next level of move? If you were like, okay, gun to my head and like giants are like, tell us what the next best move is. And after that, we won't ask you again because you'll be dead. But like, what (laughs) if you don't answer us, but like, what would be the next thing after that? I mean, that's, we're saying or bust, and we know fans will say I'm too fanatical to say bust. So right. <laughs> tell me I mean, what the so, next so thing. The, ch- the tough thing is the next thing has to be a hitter, right? And there's the two big hitters have both have question marks. So I mean that's mm-hmm. kind of um, so unless they're going to do that that trade with the Brewers, um, and that that's actually plausible. I don't know if that's actually plausible, by the way. Um, like, and that would also I think involve swapping Conforto to make the money work a little better this year. Um, but I, God, I'm, I'm so, I'm so nervous about literally every hitter on the market right now. Um, I mean, I think Bellinger would be the next guy. Cause I mean, if you're looking for high ceiling, he is the one with the high ceiling. Um, like Bellinger at his best is better than Lee at his best and is better than Chapman at his best. Um, but man, just just imagining the contract that Bellinger is going to get is it's making me nervous. Um, yeah. It's it's scary, but you have to do scary things to try to get better when you're in a hole like the Giants are in. So, so yeah, me negotiating against the gun was, listen, I said Yamamoto or bust and I said you should spend a ridiculous amount of money of Yamamoto and then you would be free to do you know, more Farhan Zaidi budget moves that are going to build up in, in the aggregate and create an interesting team. But if you don't get Yamamoto, now you've got to get Bellinger, you've got to get Snell, you've got to get Chapman, and you have to do some sort of a trade. The Burns and Yelich trade, I don't know that I see that as much as uh, who is the shortstop for the Brewers. That's the, I, it would be, it'd have to be Burns and their shortstop because you're going to have to trade Luciano. To, as part of a Burns package. So you might as well get whoever is the shortstop for the Brewers. Willie Adamas. Yeah, who's basically like down to like a 100 OPS, I think, and plays a solid shortstop because the Giants are going to need a shortstop. And he and Chapman on the left side of the infield, that's actually pretty encouraging, I would say. But that's what you got to do. Now you don't do last year's poo-poo platter of like overpaying for, you know, guys looking to show that they're still alive. Um, right. you're, you're like, you're going to now have to spend a lot more money to get a bunch of other players, uh, in the mix. I, I will accept in lieu of the Burns Adamas trade, um, 
is signing Jordan Montgomery, who's going to cost a lot of money too. And then your trade though is like maybe Matt McLean. The Reds have like Noel V. Marte and they have um, the most exciting electric Ellie De La Cruz at shortstop. And then Matt McLean is like a really good shortstop already. So like they have some depth that the Giants could possibly trade for. They have, you know, exciting kind of ish players hit guys who can actually hit that I would like to, they need to make a trade on top of that. They're going to need to make a trade. Listen, they need to make a trade no matter what, a kind of exciting trade that makes you go, oh, interesting. And they can do that because they will have the pitching depth to trade away because they will have signed at least two of the top starting pitchers if they don't get Yamamoto. That's my pivot. Uh, you got to spend money, Giants. You got to spend an unhealthy amount of money or beyond what, you know, one that will cause Farnsidey's brain to break. Yeah, yeah I mean, here's you, here's what here's what I would say. We all know the Giants have a spreadsheet that says what they think is the right number, you know? And what the Giants, Giants, what you have to do, I know that everyone in the front office listens to this show. Giants, what you have to do is take that number and add like 30 million to it for every player. And that's <laughs> yeah. your starting point. That's yeah. your starting point. I was going to write an article um, yeah. a while ago, like the the 25% markup. Like I legitimately believe that for the Giants to get, even have a player's attention for five minutes, they have to like 25% uh, go up by yeah. by anybody just as a premium. Not because of California, not because San Francisco is a shithole, but for whatever reason, the Giants have a stink on them. All right, now let's do our next segment. This is I, I switched the run order because I know people don't like to hear bitching, but let's... Let's just talk about this Shohei Otani deal to the Dodgers. Uh, God damn it. Fucking hell. <laughs> this uh, is shit. <laughs> you know, so when the reports started to come out on Friday that Otani had signed with the Blue Jays, and I saw people complaining, I was like, no, no, this is what you want. This is the best thing that can actually happen because <laughs> there is no way that the Giants are going to sign him. It is so clear. It was so clear there was no way the Giants were going to sign him. Um, cause remember the giants initially started showing up in rumors for Otani, you know, in like October and November. And then as soon as December hit, they just completely stopped. Nobody was talking about the giants as a serious suitor for Otani anymore. I'm sure the giants were, but, um, when the media just will not say their name, you're like, Oh, they're out. Like they might not think they're out. They might be like, we put in a, a good competitive $580 million offer. Uh, but they were out. And so if the Giants are out, the Blue Jays are the, like the best possible place for him to go. Because they're in the other league, on the other coast, and in Canada. The other <laughs> two things don't actually matter. It's really just the other league that matters. But I mm-hmm. feel like him being as far away, both geographically and emotionally from the Giants as, as possible, I think that's a really big deal. I think that this whole thing is emotion. This whole thing is emotional. I contend, I mean, I'm with you. That's exactly right. But I'm for me, I was like, if it had been any other team, like if it had been the Diamondbacks or the Padres, like it's like you could kind of deal with it. But yeah. like it, that it was the Dodgers is the one that I'm like, this is your sub is taking on water and you are <laughs> approaching the can't escape depth. Sorry, I just saw the abyss. So like you are like you are in trouble. Like to me, this is the repercussions of this deal. It's some it's like a natural disaster. Like you can't even your brain cannot even fathom right now the the ramifications of this, the devastation. The Giants have lost a country. 
Like, do people <laughs> understand? Oh, well, he was on the Angels, and obviously he was a big deal in Japan or whatever. But like, the Dodgers are not Artie Moreno. Like, they have the wherewithal, they have the flex, they have the financial will, they have the experience. They will take over Japan, the the team that already had the the country that already has a famous Giants team. And like for for all this time with this new ownership group, for whatever reason, <laughs> they have basically squandered any opportunity to tie together Japan and the Giants. The Giants had the first Japanese player. Like none of this built to anything. Like they just saw they had such a myopia uh, myopia of like we're gonna use the team to build out to take over China Basin and build this neighborhood. And we're going to be real estate developers because nobody goes broke uh, owning land and developing it. And that's it. That was the that was the uh, bluest sky. That was the biggest dream that the people who own the Giants ever had was pumping and dumping the Giants name to build some condos. And now there's a lot of Giants fans, I think, also have that scarcity mindset. And I kind of feel like I'm a crab trying to escape the the bucket here and they're pulling me back down. It's like, who cares what the Dodgers do? They fail all the time. Let's just be smarter than them and be craftier. And then luck hopefully will break in our way. But look at the interesting things we're doing. We solved a Rubik's cube over here. (laughs) It's like the Dodgers made up a whole new game that more people are playing and are interested in. Well, it's their loss. I solved this Rubik's cube. Hmm. And my sense of worth has gone up for that. Uh, this to me is like the worst possible outcome. And obviously if the Dodgers win a world series in next season or in the next season or two, it's going to feel even worse, but it's hard to see how this doesn't set the giants back tremendously. <laughs> like Tremendously. It's been five years since they brought over the Dodgers guy. And now the giants are like a whole league behind their competitor. They didn't close any gap. They got farther behind. Yeah. I mean, then I think the thing that really hurts is you look at the Dodgers and you could kind of, for a while, you could kind of talk yourself into their window kind of closing. Like not that they weren't going to be a good team, but they weren't going to be like a super team forever. Um, you know, with Kershaw was getting older and and Justin Turner wasn't quite as good and Max Muncie wasn't quite as good and, you know, so on, so on. And they go out and sign Freddie Freeman and they go out and sign Shohei Otani. And like, oh, they're going to be they're going to be a super team forever. Um, and the Giants are not. The Giants can't get one of those guys. They can't get one guy who's that level. And the Dodgers have three of them who they were basically or they're basically just got for money. Like, I know there was a trade for Mookie Betts, but uh, the trade was for the the Dodgers to take on all the money and then give like a cursory prospect back, who the Red Sox have, by the way, also traded away this offseason because they didn't care about the prospect. So, I mean, you just look at all that and you're like, oh, this is this is awful. This is just going to be very awful for a long time. The way those those Dodger games were at the end of the season in like 2018 and 2019, it feels like it's going to be that forever um, where the, they just come into San Francisco and there's an ocean of Dodger fans in the, in the, in the stands and the giants just get clowned for three games and then they just have to live with it. Um, that is how it feels. And you look at it and you go like CAA is in LA and it's like, you get enough. If the best players, you know, it's all kind of like a cabal in a way. And the giants are on the outside looking in 
And so I think there's a version where it's like we all accept that we are the little brothers and San Francisco's the Minnesota twins and we make that shift. But that shift has to be conscious. It The way that it's happening now where it's just humiliation after humiliation, that's what's so aggravating. But, you know, the, the Giants ownership group was more than happy to kick the A's out of town. And it seems like for a very long time, once they saw the success of the A's spending a fraction of what their team does, they're like, hmm, why don't we just become the A's? And I think that is probably what this is all really about. But like the fact that these stodgy, musty, disconnected, disaffected ownership group, they have no connections, no friends, nothing cool about them. You know, Dodgers have a diverse, stodgy, old old man ownership group too but they're also like let's get magic johnson in here let's like actually care about celebrity or like connection and you know la is different from sf we were raised our entire lives hating southern california right and then they're getting all the best players because that's where the players want to be that's where the agents are and it's sort of like so we really have been raised to hate them because they're better than us. Like that's the message it's starting to drift away from. It's like, yeah, the giants worked hard to build themselves up into a situation where they could win three and five seasons. It's an incredible accomplishment. Uh, something that could be duplicated. If the giants have the full courage to say, we're going to fucking tank, give us four years of being miserable losers and we'll get you back when the Giants did this last time, they had Barry Bonds for most of it. And that was the difference there. And that's how Brian Sabian was able to get better draft picks, have a little bit more money to do the things that they needed to do. And they got they got lucky, right? The Giants have had bad luck uh, with their drafting. Bad luck, quote unquote, you know, um, with, with the Farhan Zaidi five years of drafting and then the COVID year and all that stuff. But this just seems like such a, uh, did I say four alarm? It's a five alarm. It's a five alarm. <laughs> fire it's why in the previous segment we were like you have to get yama you have to get the next guy the guy who basically is number one because shohei otani being the unicorn or being the ex- exception he is he kind of almost doesn't count on the list he is he is objectively the the best free agent but like he's so special that it's like he doesn't fit in with the rest of this list and so Yamamoto is the is the first guy at the best of the rest of the list where it's like, well, there's kind of a comp for him, right? We kind of have under have an understanding of what he needs to be. Giants need to get him. Um, will the will people move the goal goalpost though if they start missing out on on uh, these players? And I'm tying this in the Otani thing in a second, but I guess I'm wondering like, do you not perceive the world this way, Doug? Are you not so cynical to think, yeah, they'll move the goalposts, or you just don't think about that? I mean, they, they will, but it'll be because, you know, if being a Giants fan is part of your identity, like you don't want them to be a dog shit franchise that's going to play awful baseball for years on end. So you're going to look for the reasons that that's not true. Like if they no. sign Matt Chapman and I don't know, Jordan Montgomery. No, I think that even that's too much. Even that would be a almost respectable offseason. If they sign Chapman and then like, Lucas Giolito, um, then, you know, then they'll start their propaganda machine about how, you know, they're, they're, they're driveline guys. They will turn Giolito around. And Chapman, he is an all-star. You know, he fell off a little bit in Toronto last year, but he came back strong at the end of the year. We think he's going to have a better year this year. He's back with Bob Melvin, and they get along great, and Melvin knows how to motivate all that shit. 
And people will believe it because they'll want to. Like, it, part of it's being a sucker, and also part of it is sort of the sunk cost fallacy of how much time have I sunk into this team in my life and not really been rewarded for it. Uh, I mean, we got three World Series in five years. I actually kind of, there's a part of me that's... How much time have I sunk into this team in the last decade and not been rewarded for it? I I understand that it was 2014 was the last one, but you know. That's right. Right. And that's going to be, I think all the more reason what you just said right there is the, another reason why they need to put the pedal to the metal. Cause now people are going to be able to say it's been 10 fucking years. You know what I mean? Like that's going to start to really come into play. And, and it does seem like the ownership group has like a complete facial blindness to people being mad. Like (laughs) it just doesn't affect them at all. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm pointing out the moving the goalposts because yeah, that's what fans do. But at the same time, it's like if they're willing to gut the coaching staff and change direction because of some fan complaints, and let's be clear, it's really just the oldest, richest season ticket holders, um, then you've got to agitate to try to get those people to agitate for the Giants to do something else and not be comfortable with just Matt Chapman or something. Um, But the Sotani thing, the reason why I'm bringing it all up is like, yeah, you know what? At the end of the day, $700 million, that's like, that's such a wild amount of money. I'm not mad at the Giants for not going to that number, especially if they were told a week ago they were out of it. You know what I mean? Like he just wasn't interested in playing for them. What I'm upset about is that I can't see how this move to LA, like you said, to form the super team and all that stuff doesn't have a a cumulative effect, an exponential effect, a critical mass of like, just go to LA, try to get to LA, try to build, do an NBA thing, try to build your own super team somewhere else. And it just seems like the giants being in the same division as the Dodgers automatically makes him, well, why would I go to the giants when I could go to the Dodgers or why would I go to the giants when I'd have to face the Dodgers? So now like that has become that much more difficult and the giants have no evidence None. Zero. 2021 doesn't count. It's another it's another era. It doesn't matter. They have no evidence to support that they could be an intriguing place for a good player in his prime, not a not a loser who's trying to get one more pillow deal like that. I think this really does put them so far behind that unless a miracle happens this offseason, it's it's Shover for a long time, for at least the next three or four years. Right. I mean, it feels like it. It, it does yeah. feel like that. Um, but, you know, you never know. That's my that's, entire... That's what I'm saying. We're all hung yeah. up on... We're, we're Cubs fans now. We're just right. wait till next year. You never know. It's like, we're basically like, you never know, and I hope they fail. Because that's the <laughs> only way I can succeed. Like, that's where we're at. And that's, that's sad. That was not the promise in changing the front office. It, that was the Brian Sabian era of like, I, I can't focus on what the other guy's doing. I just have to try to build an 85 win team and hope people trip on their dicks or fall on their asses. <laughs> and they would. And he was, you know, that was good. But Brian Sabian had built a team that was set for 85 wins. And now we're really now we're basically saying like, well, we have to aim for 85 wins because we have to hope that the other guy like the saying the part where you hope your competition fails is now part of the plan. And that that to me is like that is loser talk, and it feels like the Giants very much are in loser talk, sad boy uh, territory, and that's a real shame. Last segment here. Are you fucking kidding me, Brian Press? 
the pitching coach of the San Francisco Giants. I warned against this. I laid out his entire history of failure, which, you know, and as soon as StatCast came around, he was obsolete. And yet we are still running out the eight track player here. I cannot fucking believe they hired him, but this is all about Bowmel humbabying the whole staff. I'm calling him Bowmel and the humbaby coaching staff. That's my whole plan this year. I love that Brian Price's comments are like, I don't understand this new. F- Why can't they pitch deep into games? I just don't get it. He's he had a complaint about how in the minor leagues the Giants pit were not stretching out their pitchers. So then he was wondering. Not presenting information. He was just like scratching his head and scratching his ass at the same time going like, so I don't understand if they don't pitch more than four innings in the minor leagues, how they could then pitch more than four innings in the major leagues. And that just reminded me of the time, the the year that I took. I don't think it was the CrossFit. It was something that like CrossFit had ripped off and bastardized. But I was taking an exercise course for a whole year. And then the last month of the year we we didn't do any running now i have a point so you're doing core strength training you're doing all the basic muscle training it's all resistance training high interval training you're and you're not jogging not even as a warm-up you're just doing you're loosening your body for warm-ups and because our instructors are very clear like that's not how you lose weight and this is kind of this is mostly about losing weight and being fit in the last month of the season though it took us to uh, a university track, like an Olympic sized track. And they're like, you're going to run around the track today for four miles <laughs> or, you know, four times for a mile. And every person in the class of differing body shapes and types, they're like, what? <laughs> and they're like, you didn't know this, but you've been training for this for the whole year. You can do this because you have the strength. Just make sure. He-. And then they were like, here's how you're actually supposed to run. People don't know this, which was a little silly. But I was able to run that track having never done it before because I had spent the whole year conditioning my body. And so that's the whole premise of what the Giants have been doing. But this idiot doesn't know that. And so it's just going to get thrown in the trash because it's like, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Get rid of it. And I'm just so upsetting that this is what's going to happen. I do believe the Giants can survive the menace of Brian Price. But I guess that's kind of a thing to think about when they're trying to woo all these pitchers, like they don't have the same people talking baseball, talking pitching as they had up until last year. And Brian Bannister may not believe in, in um, vaccines, but he certainly believed in data (laughs) science when it came to pitching. And I think that helped the Giants. (laughs) Andrew Bailey, by all accounts, was a good pitching coach. The Giants pitching was not the problem. And now I definitely have a mild concern that it will be. Well, I think they probably still have some of those like biomechanics people. I think they still do that. I, I bet they'll explain it to Brian Price. Um, like, I don't know how involved he actually is in like the conditioning part of it. You know, he'll be involved in game planning and, uh, you know, all the other shit pitching coaches do. But I think the conditioning part of it is mostly separate from him. It's just he does not strike me as an intellectually curious person. And uh, I think there's a little bit, you know, for, for all the bad things about, about like the new school baseball, like, you know, you do have to have some of it. Like you have to be able to look at players in the way that 
that the front office does at least some to understand what they see in him. Cause you know, like Brian price is just going to go up to Farhan one day and be like, why the fuck is this Tyler Rogers guy on the team? He throws 83. His fastball is 83. And, and Farhan's going to be like, but it works. Like just help him. He's like, I can't fucking help him. Get him off the team. Um, it does feel like there's kind of a danger of that with Brian price that, you know, Farhan's going to be like trying to collect guys with different arm slots. And he's like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, the, the data thing, this is my issue with the modern, the people complain about the modern game. I'm actually really on board with the third time through the order, yanking pitchers when they seem to be going well, like because of data, like I'm actually on the side of the argument against, like I'm with the people who hate that. I, I hate it too. But Given all the other the other stuff balances out to such a degree that it's like, I don't know what we're really arguing about. Pitchers throw harder than ever, more consistently than ever. Yes, there's arm injuries. I understand that. But it's so much harder to hit in baseball today. Although I think it's actually in the last year or two, it's actually gotten slightly better. Maybe it's because the hitters are starting starting to finally adjust their swings. They're not being trained to just swing for the fences every time. That could be a factor. But the the fact is that pitchers are generally better because of data science. And so it's like, I thought we were always trying to improve. And yes, being an incurious uh, red ass from a bygone era, that does not suggest to me that players are going to improve under his watch, which, as you point out, might not be his tutelage. But it's the fact that he's leading with that as his public persona of I don't like it. What does this mean? That's a bad look for your pitching coach. Another thing to consider is, though, that the Padres were actually a really good pitching staff last year, too. And he was a consultant there, too. But he was just a consultant. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what it means. That's where we're at. Good good luck, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Dealing with Brian Price. Jesus. Oh, no. This seems like it was bad timing all the way around. (laughs) He seems like the last guy you'd want in there talking, talking ball with a 25 year old. He doesn't seem to even like 25 year olds. Oh, okay, Doug, are you going to be writing about the Giants this (laughs) offseason? I mean, I guess. Uh, Yeah, you can find me twice a week. GiantsDoug.substack.com. I write Tuesday and Thursday about the Giants. Brian, where can people find you? McCoveyChronicles.com, and I write throughout the week multiple times. Um, and so we're on Fans First Sports Network, uh, fansfirstsports.com for all the podcasts across every sport. Check it out there. And uh, we're at Giants Croncast on Twitter. And so until the next big move, go Giants! Go Giants!